You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on the Sermon on the Mount. Now looking at treasure. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. The Sermon on the Mount, 27, Treasure. In our previous devotional, we looked at what Jesus said about fasting. He expects Christians to fast and to do so regularly. We also learned that some of the early Christians would set aside the money that they saved by fasting and use that for the poor, for charity. I thought about this more since I recorded yesterday's lesson, and I've calculated that in our current fast, my wife and I are uh, just drinking water for three weeks, we're saving about $85. That's mainly coffee and tea. And so I've set that aside. I thought, why didn't I do that earlier? What a great idea. I wouldn't begrudge helping someone who needed a dollar or five or even 50. So easy to do. We also saw the deeper meaning of fasting, what's called true fasting, Isaiah 58, and the early Christians finally practiced both senses, that is, literal fast, but also fasting from evil, fasting from things that corrupt the soul, which is the most important thing. Well, we're on today's passage now, which is Matthew 6, 19 to 20. Let me read it. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consume, and where thieves do not break in and steal. There are two places we can put have our treasure, on earth or in heaven. It's clear where we need to be focused. There are disadvantages anyway to having treasures on earth, moth. I think that's referring to eating through fine garments. Most people didn't have a very big wardrobe in those days. Rust, that would affect metal things, precious objects of metal or maybe coins. But where thieves break in and steal or dig in, typically people would hide their valuables underneath the floor. And so that would be uh, one way to get in. Jesus says there are disadvantages there. Of course, there are other advantages to living simply, too. But what a challenge this is to our modern society. We are consumers, and we are consumeristic. Making as much money as possible, buying as much or investing in as many things as possible. What about your job? I'm assuming the majority of you listening to this have finished your education, and you're not yet retired, though I know we have people at all parts of the spectrum. Are you making as much money as possible, putting in massive amounts of overtime? Are you maxed out? Are you overdoing it? It's one thing to make what you need so you can support your family. It's another thing to earn obscene amounts of money. Now, I'm not reading Jesus's words here as forbidding 
riches necessarily. I think he's talking about our future orientation. Really, are we trusting in God? But he's warning us of danger, the danger of materialism, and encouraging us to be emotionally invested in the right place. However, the parallel passage in Luke chapter 12 bothers me. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, Jesus in this passage is speaking to the little flock. I take that as the group of men and their women as well who followed him, not the crowds, but those who were probably with him nearly everywhere he went. He calls them little flock, and he tells them to sell their possessions to give to the needy. Okay, technically he doesn't say sell everything. We have examples of people in the Middle Ages like Francis of Assisi, who literally uh, liquidated everything he had, even his clothes, uh, to the point of immodesty. But we don't have to sell everything in order to sell something. This passage bothers me because, like some of you listening, I struggle to know, well, what is modest? What is a modest lifestyle? What is obscene? What is modest? What is right? And obviously, if you sell all your possessions all at one time, then you'd have nothing to give to anyone. So I don't think that Jesus is necessarily indicating that, even to the little flock, whoever they, they were. But honestly, this passage bothers me. And maybe you can tell it does. <laughs> Jesus lived simply. The apostles lived simply. The early Christians lived simply. And I'd like to illustrate from two of them, uh, Cyprian, who we've encountered before from Carthage, North Africa. Uh, he was martyred in the year 258. And we're going to look at another fellow named Lawrence, who was also put to death that year in the same persecution. Cyprian, the fool who was to die that very night was rejoicing in his stored goods. He's referring here to Luke 12, of course, uh, 20. He to whom life was already failing was thinking of the abundance of his food. In contrast, the Lord tells us that a man becomes perfect and complete by selling all his goods and distributing them for the use of the poor. He thereby lays up for himself a storehouse in heaven. Now, Cyprian was not just pontificating and telling people to do something he wasn't willing to do. He was rich, very wealthy before baptism. But when he was converted, the sources tell us, he liquidated, he sold uh, many of his possessions, perhaps a large amount of his estate, and he used the proceeds to help the poor. Cyprian also says, neither does the state take away the property entrusted to God, nor does a tax collector intrude on it. Likewise, no criminal plots carted away. The inheritance is placed in a vault that is kept under guard by God himself. So he recognizes that there is a place to store up treasure, but it's not on this earth. The other martyr uh, from the mid-third century is Lawrence. And this is a time when the Romans were just, they were uh, plundering 
uh, Christian communities trying to take uh, their property. This is not the time when the church was rich and, uh, uh, in fact, incredibly wealthy by the time you get to the 400s, 500s. This is the 200s. It's illegal to be a Christian. So there's a, this great story. <laughs> the authorities find this uh, church leader. His name is Lawrence. He's a deacon. And they uh, tell him to turn over all the, the, the you know, give us the loot, uh, the valuables, everything that the church has. And I think they were expecting silver and gold and to be enriched by their, um, uh, by this fellow that they seized. And he tells them, okay, I'll collect the church's wealth and I'll give it to you tomorrow. So the next morning, <laughs> the Roman officials show up and there's this large group of poor people. It's the poor people who are supported by the church. In fact, if I remember, there were well over 1,500 people being poor people who were being supported by the church. So the officials ask for the wealth, and Lawrence points to the poor, and he says, well, this is the wealth of the church. <laughs> they were angry that there was nothing else, and they put Lawrence to death. You see, the early Christians understood you invest in people. We care about people. As Christians, we can liquidate unnecessary assets. Of course, I realize it's not easy to determine what's necessary, you know, what's a luxury, what's a necessity. But I think we need to have sensitive consciences. We should retain what is necessary to continue to be able to provide hospitality. I mean, if you sell your house and uh, you're sleeping in the city park, you can't show hospitality in the same way you can if you can have uh, people over to your home. And we want to be able to help fellow Christians and to be able to give alms and not be a burden to others later on. But that doesn't mean we need all the wealth we have, or if we don't have a lot, it doesn't mean we have to seek the maximum amount of wealth. We probably need far less than we think. Lifestyle entails modesty. And modesty is not just about dress, it's about lifestyle. I wanted to share a word to my fellow Americans, as I'm an American citizen, and citizens of other rich nations. You know, most of us, actually all of us, we live, uh, even those of us at the poverty line, are living more richly than kings and queens did in the Middle Ages. Uh, the, what we have, not just the technology, uh, but the quality of life, uh, just an amazing thing. I'm saying that because I'm going to read 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19, and it begins, as for the rich, and I don't want people tuning out, because if you're, say, from American or Switzerland, you better not tune out, because you're rich. And don't tell me, yeah, no, the rich guy lives across town from me. Yeah, <laughs> you're in a rich country, you're rich. Paul says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are, that is the rich, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. The good life is not having an incredible amount of money in the bank and living a life of luxury. That's not the good life. That, that can corrupt the soul. The real life is that that is based on faith in God and our treasure is in heaven. And so Paul doesn't tell the rich people become poor, 
but he tells them to watch their attitude and to share, to give. If not, they don't do that. Money is dangerous, and I have no doubt it will drag many people to hell. Well, our next devotional is on darkness, but I pray that this one on treasure, number 27, uh, will make us think and make us turn to the Lord. God, thank you so much for the power of the Sermon on the Mount. And we understand that there's treasure in heaven. There's reward in heaven. And we diminish it or we augment it depending on our attitude and our actions here. Help us not to be caught up in the vain pursuit of wealth. Help us to live modestly and especially be willing to share. And if we are rich, coming from a rich society, as most of my listeners are, help us not to excuse ourselves or try to exempt ourselves from Jesus's commands, but to use wealth in the right way and to realize how temporary and in a sense even worthless money is. Lord, if there's something we need to change in our lifestyle and our attitude, Help us to give it all to you, as Jesus gave it all for us. We pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's series on the Sermon on the Mount. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.